Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Dot Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you here, learning Tractate Kitubot, page 65. The Mishnah on the previous page, 64b, had laid out a number of economic responsibilities that a husband has for a wife, especially when uh, they're not in the same location, and the husband is hamashre et ishto shalish. The husband is sustaining the wife, not in her presence, not giving her face-to-face, but giving a certain amount, fixed amount, through a third party. In such a case, the Mishnah lays out exactly uh, how much is supposed to be delivered. So, they're supposed to give her at least two kav of wheat, and then uh, kavs an amount, and four kav of barley. Well, maybe that four kav applies only when the uh, barley is of particularly deficient quality. If it was better quality, maybe two would suffice. There are requirements of a certain amount of beans and a certain amount of oil and a certain amount of figs. She needs a bed. She needs a hat. She needs underwear. She needs three times a year shoes. Moed le moed. That is on Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. She gets a new pair of shoes each year. She gets 50 zoos worth of clothing, which are to be delivered in the winter. And the Gemara will tell us on this Mishnah, you have to give her the clothing in the winter. She wears it when it's heavy in the winter, and by the time it's worn out a little bit, it's lighter for her in the summer, but it would be unfair to give her heavy clothes in the summer and worn out clothes in the winter. So the new clothes are to be delivered in the winter. The wife is also to be given a silver ma'a, is a small coin for incidental expenses, and she is expected to dine with the husband, even though they are physically apart, on Shabbat. Our page will go on to suggest uh, the, the Talmud commentary on that Mishnah will go on to suggest that to dine with the husband, in quotes, is a euphemism for them to uh, have sexual intercourse on Shabbat. That's that's considered part of the rabbinic life, is Shabbat is a time for delight of, of all kinds of physical things, good food, and also physical intimacy. Now, speaking of physical intimacy, this is a major theme of our page, and it, it turns on the absence from all that list of uh, things that the husband was supposed to provide for the wife, the absence of one obvious item, obvious in the ancient world, is that it doesn't say anything about wine. Is or is not the husband supposed to provide the wife with wine? And this question evidently touches uh, a number of chords, which I think will be interesting for the modern student, about constructions of what women are or are not supposed to do, uh, and is wine a good idea for women who are uh, the source of a little bit of anxiety among the rabbis of their sexual desires and their sexual uh, interest, which, as anyone knows, can be uh, sometimes affected by drinking wine. The first view on the page by Rabbi Elazar is that women are not to be given any wine, although in the course of the page, uh, the more uh, halachic determination is to be given is that if women are unaccustomed to being given wine, then they shouldn't be given any. Uh, if they are accustomed to drinking wine when they are with their husbands, that amount should be diminished when they are not with their husbands because of the fear that with a few uh, cups under their belt, so to speak, 
uh, they'll be a little bit less chaste, and the rabbis get anxious about that. This will ultimately lead us to a relatively famous story about a relatively famous Talmudic woman. None of them are that famous, but this is one who's famous for her, her siren-like uh, beauty, and that makes her a little bit problematic. It's one of the things that makes her a little problematic. So if you're following along on the page, I am in the, uh, the second wide line in the middle of 65a. It says, Tana, kos echad yafel isha, shnaim nibulhu, one cup of wine, that's good for her. I think that there are even medical stats say, you know, a cup of wine, red wine, good for your heart. So one cup is good for a woman, but two is disgraceful. Shlosha tova'at bapeh, with the third cup of wine, she will actually be so bold, so unladylike as to demand sexual relations verbally. Arba afilu chamor tova'at bashuk ve'ena makpedet. It's a little bit disgusting. With, with four cups of wine, she'll be going out looking even for a donkey, and she will not care who. So will be so stimulated by the wine that she will just lose all human uh, decency. Again, not not really a very nice statement. Uh, the next line, Amar Rava Lo Shanu Ela B'She'ein Ba'alaima, and these these statements that we made about the decline that goes on with the second, third, fourth cup is only when her husband is not with her. Aval Ba'alaima Leitlanba, but there's no problem with if her husband is with her because she may get drunk and she may get. Uh, to interested in sexual relations, but okay, she's got a, a good, uh, safe outlet by being with her husband. The next interlude is a small comment about the biblical story of of Hannah and and her uh, and her husband Elkanah. Uh, we had earlier on the page, I skipped over this part, made a paradigm that Hannah did not drink wine. The biblical text would appear to indicate the opposite, but it doesn't matter for our purposes. The Talmud thinks that she did not drink wine. And, and so the Gemara asks, now, but Elkanah was with Hannah, so why couldn't she drink wine? Go go right ahead, it's fine. And uh, the, give the answer is that they were staying in a hotel, they were staying in an inn, and it would not have been nice for them to have sexual relations in the inn. They had to wait until they got home. Now here comes the relatively famous story, about eight lines down in the wide lines. We relate the story of Homa de Vithu de Abaye. Homa, she was, it says, the wife of Abaye, although... From the context of the story, we know that it means she was his widow. Atai lekame derava. So now Abaye is dead, and she, Homa, is suing that his estate give her what she is due, and the case comes before Abaye's fellow judge, Rava. They live in the early 4th century in Babylon. And Amrale, and she says to him, Psokli mazone, give, make sure I am given food, upasakla, and he does, in fact, give her food. Psokle chamra. She says, give me wine. Amarlan, he says to her, Yadana bebe Nachmani, I know about Nachmani, that's Abai's, so to speak, last name. Dilo havashate chamra, wait a minute, he was my friend for many years, I knew him, he did not drink wine, so why should I give you wine? Amrale, chayai demar dehave mashkeli bishufraze kihai. I swear to God, she says, that the master used to give me wine in a uh, in a uh, a horn or a cup this long, and she makes a gesture. She says, uh, And as she's showing him how long the cup was, how big the goblet was, uh, her arm is revealed. 
Nafal Nahora Bevedina, and she is so gorgeous that a light comes from her beautiful arm throughout the entire court, throughout the entire Beit Din, and of course, that is just massively enticing to imagine a society where the women are wearing burkas. So her arm is revealed, and Rava is, whoa, is he excited. He is so turned on. Come, Rava, alabete. He goes home, he leaves the court, he goes to his house, betava lebat Rav Chizda, and he summons the daughter of Rav Chizda, that is to say, his wife, and that he summons her, and they have they have sex. Amrale, afterwards, she says to him afterwards, uh, who came to the court today? <laughs> you came home with such a such passion. Amra la, and he says to her, Choma devitu davaye. It was Choma, Abaye's widow. Well, Batrav Chizda, Mrs. Mrs. Rav is not happy about that. Nafka abatra, she goes out and she chases that woman. Mahta la bekofe deshida, and she hits her with the lock of a cabinet. Ata apka la mikule mechoza until she drives her all the way out of Mahoza. That is the town that they lived in. So you may or may not know that elsewhere uh, in Tractate Yivamod, we relate that this woman, Choma, she had two husbands prior to Abai, both of whom were part of the rabbinic class. She herself was the, let's see, she was the great-granddaughter of the famous Rav Yehuda. She was part of the rabbinic class. She married men of the rabbinic class, and they kept dying. They kept dying, and so she's known as a katlanit, a woman who buries three husbands, is just a problem. So the daughter of Rav Chizda, who, Rava's wife, who feels that Choma has come and intentionally flirted with, turned on, tried to seduce her own husband, she thinks that Choma, this is a polygamous society, thinks she, she thinks Choma is now trying to get Rava for her fourth husband, and she's going to bury yet a fourth husband, and poor Bat Rav Chizda will be, will be uh, a widow. This is tremendously interesting on a literary level, this story of this like intense seductress, she's so beautiful that even her arm, exposure of her arms, turns all the guys on so that they all rush home to their wives. Literarily a kind of interesting story. Most of the rest of the page is, is again about the maintenance of wives and widows, but the last line, I, I told you we've been talking about wine, and the, the Mishnah on the previous page also considers that nursing women uh, work less and get more food, and it also notes I don't think medical science is going to agree with this, but the last line on 65b, the last line at the end of the chapter, says it's good to give one cup of wine to a nursing woman because it helps milk production. Don't know if that's true or not. Thanks for learning this page with me, and that is the end. I, I won't begin the next Mishnah here on the end of 65b of chapter Afalpi. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.